0: welcome to the faith Today podcast Conversations inspired by Canada's Christian magazine Jennifer Lau is the new executive director of CBM Canadian Baptist Ministries I'm Karen Stiller and I've really enjoyed my talk with Jennifer as she explored with me her calling what mission means today and what it means to go and learn I hope you enjoy this podcast welcome Jennifer thank you it's good to uh, be with you Karen so i want to read to you i'm going to start off with kind of what could be a personal question i guess but oh, i okay. want to re- <laughs> i want to read to you <laughs> a heading i saw announcing your appointment as executive director of canadian baptist ministries and this is what it said a nearly 150 year old mission organization has announced its next executive director and for the first time they are a woman as well as a layperson. Mm. so i want to know um if that's a thing for you, like when I heard that you were appointed, I felt a sort of a jolt of, oh, yay, they appointed a woman, but I'm also 53. And I assume, probably a good deal older than you. And I wondered if if it felt like something special to you that you're the first woman. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that.
1: You're not a good deal older than me. But I think at any age, I think it is meaningful because a number of my female colleagues have pointed that out to me. When I, when they heard the news that I had been appointed, uh, they actually said, "Oh, I'm so proud to be working for CBM. That you know, being a woman is not a barrier to leadership here." So I think because it's meaningful. Uh, to my colleagues, it's definitely increased its meaningfulness to myself. Um, and I think also just a number of young women that I have uh, I have relationships with, um, I've heard over the years that um, they don't see a lot of women in leadership, um, not at the highest levels of leadership in a lot of more traditional uh, evangelical organizations. And, the, you know, they they have asked themselves the question, you know, is there a future for me here or, or do I reach a ceiling? And I think for them, seeing that there are possibilities for women to go into the highest levels of leadership, um, I think that actually is significant for them. So in that way, I think it has been very meaningful.
0: Oh, that's, uh, that's pretty cool to hear. And it t- let's talk about the layperson thing as mm-hmm. well. So right, right, right away from that, I deduced that all the previous directors had been ordained people, yes. perhaps. So how, do, how is that relevant as well?
1: Yeah. And, you know, for even for myself, I mean, it's been a long journey for me with CBM. I've been here for 18 years. So it's not like coming into a new organization, you know, and I've, I've grown with the organization, I hope, in that time and in how the organizational culture here has changed as well. And when I first came in here 18 years ago, I would have been absolutely shocked if you told me they would appoint a lay person into the role of executive director, which at the time was called general secretary. I would never have conceived of our organization being ready for that. And yes. in this time, this 18 years, I've seen incredible transformation of just the culture here and uh, recognition that um, that we're all ministers and that it there's different gifts that are needed at different times in the life of the organization. And at this point in time, it makes sense to have a lay person, I think, with the skill set that I have. And and so in that way, it's been very affirming to see and. And uh, even if it hadn't been me who was appointed and had been another lay person i would i would feel just as happy because i think it's a recognition that it's not just ordained pastors who can lead um, denominational organizations
0: yeah yeah so tell us more then jennifer what are your how are your gifts going to lead cbm forward in the, in the next few years um le- what are your plans and, and what needs to change if you're seeing some changes on the horizon mm mm-hmm.
1: mhm uh, well, my heart is really, I'm a marketer, which, you know, I think that probably scares some people. And they're like, oh, we have a marketer who or a fundraiser leading um, our traditional uh, mission organization. And, you know, it might be a little um, scary for some people when they hear that. But I actually think that um, at this juncture in in CBM's life, um, that's going to be a huge plus, because I do think that I look at things differently. I look at... Um, the world maybe a little bit differently than if I had come from a pastoral background. Uh, I've always been very engaged in current trends and, you know, what's happening in the world. Um, and that's just kind of, you know, who I am and that's just what I'm interested in. Um, and I actually think that's going to be very beneficial to CBM as we try to uh, be proactive in being responsive to what's happening in the world. And, you know, through this whole pandemic situation, um, we've seen how that ability to be nimble and to be agile and flexible and be able to pivot our strategy quickly has been very beneficial for CBM. And I I'd hope that's something I would be able to uh, continue to um, To push forward for all of our staff is the ability to be able to pivot and be able to just change course when we need to. Because, you know, who in the world now, as we all know, in our plans for 2020, we all if we had, you know, strategic plans sitting in a drawer somewhere, well, those all went out the window uh, by March. Um, And I think now it's really about how well we adapt.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I, I think it is true that we are all seeing we are much more um, pivotable <laughs> than we might have thought otherwise. Like, That's uh, right. So tell me about more of those pivots that need to happen with mission organizations operating in, in the world today. Well, one of my hopes is that we no longer
1: become the hub. And I know that sounds very counterintuitive to some people who think, well, you should be pushing the organization forward more and raising your profile more. But I actually don't want us to be the hub of all of our international partners. I want us to be a player. I want us to be a one of the forces that brings people together but I don't think everything has to center around CBM. And I certainly don't think decision-making needs to center at CBM. And so one of the things that uh, we have really felt strongly about is being able to network our partners together so that they can help build each other's capacity. And it's not always coming from CBM. Um, And we've we've been able to see success in this, particularly in Africa, where we've brought all of our African partners together who previously had no relationship, who previously didn't know each other. And they've been able to find commonalities and places of learning together um, without us, which, you know, in many ways sounds very scary. We're like, oh, well, is CBM even have a role in this? We do have a role, uh, but it might be a slightly different role than what traditional mission organizations did from the West. Um, And so, you know, I think we have to be very open-minded about what the world is like now. You know, the reality is anybody can connect with anybody, um the whole kind of role that we used to play of the western mission organization that you know we were the we were the brokers where we were the people who would bring relationship between the church in canada and the church overseas well that that doesn't happen anymore right because anybody can connect with anybody on the internet now right. um, and so what is our role in the midst of all this i do think we have a variable very valuable role to play still but i think it will be a slightly different one um I think for us, we would see our role as being, you know, there's there's engaging and there's engaging well. And we want to be the people who will walk alongside the local church anywhere in the world and help them to engage well Um, because of our 150
0: years of experience.
1: I I do think that experience still means something. And so I kind of see that as being our, our role.
0: Well, that's a lot of credibility. Uh, 150 mm-hmm. years of of credibility. I l- I love that idea of of you uh, connecting and networking different organizations together. Are you um, when you talk about that and you mentioned Africa? Is that organizations within a single country or is that more continent wide? And what do that what do those relationships um, bring forth?
1: Well, it's continent wide. I mean, we have worked traditionally uh, predominantly in East Africa, but it's it's changing a little bit now. Um, what we've been able to see is just um, the learnings, the mutual learning that has come forward because of those relationships. Um, you know, one organization being able to help another through things they have experienced, and they understand the context of what they face. They're so much better than we can. Um, although we have always walked alongside them as partners. Uh, The kind of things that rise up in their context um, is so different. So for example, like during the Ebola crisis, which obviously preceded coronavirus, um, we really didn't have a lot of wisdom to be able to share with our churches uh, that we were partnered with there to say, oh, how, how you can help be the hands and feet of Christ in the midst of the Ebola crisis? Because frankly, we, we don't have that experience of doing that here. However, some of our other partners in Africa have experience, you know, in, in dealing with those kinds of situations. And so that's an area where there's actually could be some, you know, mutual learning.
0: Yeah. Okay. Can you speak to me, Jennifer, about the r- importance of the reciprocity of relationship? Like, I think, I hope, I think we all know now that we are not, you know, the wise West, um, bringing our everything we know and can offer to other partners. But, you know, the word partner implies that it's not that. But um, how, how can we learn from, you know, the organizations and the partnerships that you are forming One of the things that we
1: really have accentuated over the last few years is the experience uh, of actually going and, and walking alongside our partners and actually experiencing what life is like there, not to go and do stuff and to tell people what to do not to, you know, not not to be crass. But you know, some people have their they go there with the intention of, um, I want to go and save this number of people when I go on my short term mission trip. So we have moved away from um, any, any kind of experience like that, that emphasizes what I'm going to go do to what I'm going to go and learn. And oh, okay. we have seen incredible value in those experiences. We call them scent uh, experiences. Um, because, you know, often people will just go and, and be immersed in a culture that, that you really can't understand when you're just watching a five-minute video or reading it on a in an article. Uh, nothing replaces that relationship that is built when you're actually there. Um, so for us, that is a very valuable part of being engaged um, in global mission is actually going there, expressing yourself solidarity in person. You know, for so many of our partners, we have heard back. um, We can't believe that Canadians would actually come here for, you know, that you would spend your time and your money to actually be here with us. You know, we feel so honored that you would do that. Um, And we know the value of that to them. And so that is something we're trying to help educate Canadian Baptists on, is nothing replaces relationship. And you need to, um, you know, that's, this is something you should invest
0: your time in. You know, I really um, this idea of shifting from going to do something to going to learn something feels so honest uh, to me because we all, anyone who's gone on a short-term mission trip or been part of that, knows that that is actually what ends up happening. I mean, yes. you, usually, right? You you go thinking you're going to build a school, and you come back, and you're you you you're changed at least for a time. You've learned, you've seen, um, so. It, you're actually telling people that before they go, that that is what's going to happen.
1: <laughs> yes, we're very upfront and we say, you know, if you're going there um, with your own agenda, this is not the trip that you want to go on and you probably don't want to go with us. And, you know, we've learned that, you um, there sometimes isn't a good fit for what if some people have a certain agenda they want to accomplish in going overseas. Sometimes we hear that and we say, you know what, CBM is not the organization you want to go with, because this is why we bring people overseas to engage with our partners. This is what you're going to be doing. This is how you, this is what your attitude needs to be. You need to go in a learner's posture if you're going to go with us. And if you're not open to that, we're probably not the place that you want to go with. So wow. we're pretty <laughs> we're pretty open about that. And what's been really remarkable is just hearing from churches saying yeah like being so open to that and saying well we we may have thought we were doing something else but now that you've explained to us um the education part of all of this yeah we want to we want to go and experience what you're talking about so it's it's been a good response
0: yeah, that is so good because I'm, I am I think you're probably cutting the, the time <laughs> required for that learning to start when people enter into it knowing that uh, or with that position of humility, because that's really is what it sounds like, humility. Yes. So Jennifer, you are a communicator and you mentioned uh, your marketing background. And I know part of your work at CBM uh, up, up till now was the creation of a magazine um, called Mosaic. And so I, I uh, appreciate that you are a person who understands the power of words and language and so on. And so I wanted to ask you, um, and this is something we talk about here at uh, Faith Today magazine um, the weight of words like evangelical, like. Baptist, for example, probably carries some a little bit of luggage around with it, maybe. Yes. Um, and I wondered if you could speak to that and maybe just help us all, because probably people listening to this podcast are people involved in ministry, and I'm sure they're thinking about the weight of words in these days, too.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you may have noticed I, I never called us Canadian Baptist Ministries. I always said CBM. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually moved away from calling ourselves that. Uh, okay. many, many years ago, uh, we pre- pretty much only do it when we have to do something formal, legal, or, you know, a press release, something like that, where people might say CBM, because there's another organization also called CBM or was called CBM. Um, And so just to avoid confusion, we do put the name out in in full when we have to do it in print um, for, for formal things. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, the word, those words are, have become so charged in our culture. And, you know, it's sad because we see um, all the good sides uh, of the organizations that are related to those words. So, you know, what Baptists, Canadian Baptists are doing all over. I mean, there's some amazing, incredible things that are happening locally and globally everywhere that Baptists are engaged in. But unfortunately, in many circles, if you say the word Baptist, um, that's, that shuts the door right there. Um, and so for us, we don't want language to become a barrier to engagement. And so, you know, for example, our overseas experiences we call sent. There is no Canadian Baptist link to that name. And we've had people that have gone with us on Scent trips that are not Baptists because they actually don't even realize that it's a Baptist organization that's related to Scent. Um, They just see it, you know, it's a Scent experience. It's it's become a brand in itself. Um, And, you know, that is the way that we're moving because we are finding that there are more and more organizations that are not don't have a Baptist background or are not affiliated with our denomination that actually want to be engaged with us. And again, language, you know, we don't want that to be a barrier. Now, on the other hand, um, we also want to infuse good things associated associated with the word Baptist. So we hope that through the things that we do, that we do well, people will say, oh, that's a Baptist organization? Oh, they're actually not that bad. (laughs) So (laughs) they're not all the bad things that we associate from maybe some of the things they're hearing, uh, particularly in the U.S., uh, associated with the word Baptist. They might say, oh, there's actually good things that Baptists do as well. And I I think it would be the same probably for the word evangelical, which has become so charged, which is unfortunate. Um, but I would say it's probably the same thing. If you use that word, people are like immediately might get their backup. Um, oh, they're trying to convert me because they believe, you know, they believe that um, we should be spreading the gospel and sharing the gospel in, in word and deed. Well, yeah, we're living out the gospel. That's, that's basically what it is.
0: Unfortunately, that word has just have a negative connotation now. Yeah, yeah, it it is really interesting that challenge to communicate, you know, truthfully and fully, and not throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, and, and help help people understand better that those words don't represent bad things all the time. Yes. But yeah, it's a, it's a funny, a funny, challenging time. It is. I'd love to hear um, from you. I, I presume that in your previous role, and certainly going forward, you've probably traveled widely and visited projects around the world and and seen the church really living out its faith in probably very difficult uh, settings. And so I wonder, Jennifer, if you, if you could just share like how that has impacted your own faith and your own worldview. I think my very first trip with CBM
1: was to Kenya, and that was in 2003. And I, you know, I've shared this story before. I never knew what really what poverty was um, until that trip. I, I, of course, I've seen poverty. I've experienced it here locally, and I don't want to minimize the poverty that does exist here locally as well within our own country. And I think we all know that it's, it's a problem that needs to be dealt with that hasn't been solved. But it broke my heart in a different way on that first trip. And I realized that, you know, God calls us to serve the poor. And I think, you know, it's funny to say that a lot of people might be thinking, well, of course, God ser- calls us to serve the poor. But I don't think I knew that he had called me to do it and to do my most, my best, And to have a passion for for making a difference in the lives of people, because they're not statistics. These are are actual people. And, you know, again, nothing beats relationship, right? And so when I went and I was actually able to sit down and meet with, I met with a, a group of widows who were taking care of their grandchildren who were AIDS orphans. You know, nothing can beat that experience. Nothing will touch your heart like an experience like that, where you actually get to hear people's stories of of what has happened in their life. And you just, you know, you, you feel the call in a very different way. And I I did anyway, I felt it very personally. And I could just hear God talking to me and say, what are you going to do out of this experience? What have you learned? What are you going to do differently when you go back? Yeah. And uh, at that point, i had only been at CBM for about six months. And, you know, and I, I enjoyed my job, but I thought it was just another job. And after that trip, I remember thinking,
0: this is not a job. This is a calling. Yeah. So I'm, you heard that question, what will you do differently when you get home? I'd love to hear what you did do differently when you arrived home. Well, I learned that we needed to help
1: give an avenue for people to be able to tell their stories. And um, that because I was a communicator, I thought, you know, we need to allow people to have a way to tell their stories, to have a voice that can be heard. And we need to help bring those stories to places that otherwise would never be able to, you know, be able to hear this. That for me became a passion. And also, Allowing people to have the chance to express themselves and be portrayed with dignity Uh, and that at CBM, that is a non-negotiable that we portray people with dignity. Um, This is not about raising money. It's about helping people to share their stories of what they are experiencing in their life and how we can come alongside them. And I know there's probably ways that we could express things or portray things more sympathetically so that people would say, oh, you know, this person's in a desperate situation. Look how poor they are. Look at how dirty they look. Uh, We could probably raise more money that way. But for me, it's allowing people to have the dignity that
0: God created them to have. Um, and, And we have to tell stories that way. Yeah, that is so important. And that's something um, we we have a very heightened awareness with faith today these days, too. Like, I I hope that I'm seeing things more clearly as I edit and, and write that maybe years ago would have sort of slipped through just some, you know, even hidden message or implication that isn't helpful. And when I've gone overseas to write stories, sometimes I remember the first time I was in a refugee camp in South Sudan, and I I I realized for the first time that these, you know, statistics we hear about are actual individuals and I was kind of embarrassed that I hadn't already deeply believed that. I mean, I thought I I thought I knew that. And then I was meeting, you know, school principals and Town mayors or mo- and moms and grandmas or whatever who were real people you know on the run and I I was I was sort of both ashamed of myself for ever having thought otherwise but it was a huge learning moment for me mm-hmm. that telling of stories is so important mm-hmm. and I think stories
1: just connect us as human beings it's kind of like the. It's that common thing, that, th- that common thread that you know it just makes us all human, you know, and
0: uh, somehow it's just a-, a way to connect all of us. So Jennifer, as you are and as you move forward, and especially in these days which are challenging times, I'm wondering um, what what nurtures your faith today and how you stay encouraged understanding that it's also okay to be discouraged.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. There are times, you know, if people ever wonder what it's like to be in leadership, there are lonely times, sadly. Uh, Unfortunately, there are times when you do feel uh, quite isolated and and alone and you, you in those times you really rely on on other leaders that have come around you and said, uh, you know, reach out to us if ever you're, you're feeling that way. So I am always grateful for my colleagues. Um, You know, we have since... Since the pandemic started, we have been having a weekly online chapel service. So we used to meet as an office staff here in the CBM office in Mississauga, which has about 25 people. Uh, Well, we, of course, all went home and started working from home. But since the the lockdown, we started having the chapel service on Zoom. And because of that, we were able to have all of our field staff um, join us as well. So we have about, I would say, uh, 35 field staff from around the world. And we able to have them all join us as well. Um, with the different time zones and all those kinds of things, most people have really made an effort to be part of it. And uh, it, it has been incredibly uplifting for my soul to be part of those chapel times, um, because we have been hearing from people um, and what they're going through, their experiences, and also just devotionals um, with such depth, um, such understanding, such Wisdom that uh, have been shared from uh, many of our staff, um, and reflect kind of what they're experiencing as well, and and what they're what they're learning in this is period of time. Um, and so, being part of that every week has been definitely one of the joys that I have experienced lately, and um, has has given me uh, just. I think it's just really boosted my spirits. And many times when I've, I have felt like, oh, you know, you know, the whole world is upside down right now. So much is happening. Um, being part of those, those chapel times with all of our staff around the world has, has been very, very meaningful for
0: me. Oh, that's wonderful! That is a silver lining of of all Definitely. this zooming we're doing. Um, Jennifer, uh, just finally, I you are a person who writes, so uh, I assume you're probably a person who reads, and I'm wondering, um, actually, what you're reading now, or what you've read recently that you would recommend as uh, as an encouraging, hopeful read in this time. I,
1: you know, there's various things that kind of drift through at various times. I I have the urge to to pick up different books. Um, But I always find that I go back to Henry Nouwen at various times. And I I think for sure he is probably one of my very favorite um, authors and and theologians. I just love the way that he writes because it's very personal. Uh, And um, there's one book in particular that I have gone back to lately, and it's Life of the Beloved.
0: Okay, and yeah. that
1: is one that I've read many, many times. But just lately, I have felt it always sits on my bookshelf. And every so often, I just I hear it calling out to me to say, <laughs> pick me, pick me up and, and look at me again. And I always need that reminder that I am not what I do. I am beloved just for who I am. And that book always reminds me of that, that uh, in God's eyes, I'm enough. And no matter what I do or I don't do that day, what I don't accomplish, I'm still going to be enough for him. And so that book, I just love that book because it just, it brings me right back down to uh, reminding me that my identity is as God's child.
0: Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jennifer, so much.
1: Oh, thank you, Karen.
0: It's so great to talk to you. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.